Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 it's a fact if the riches of the wealthy were given to the average american the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all not because they're more deserved but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them and once it's in their hands they work it to their self-interest the host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. It's summertime, and it really did get very hot this past week. Everyone had to try to get their outside job done in the morning because it got up to 80, 85 in the afternoon. And the rain seemed to think it was their job to come every late afternoon and early evening to cool things off. So in rain it did, pouring sheets of water down to cool things off a bit. But thank God today and Sunday and that's the early part of next week are supposed to be cooler with uh, with wonderful uh, summer weather, uh, so they say. That's what the weather people say. And everywhere you look, things look great. The trees, the crops, the lawns, they're all a healthy shade of green. And the skies are a clear blue with white, wispy clouds. And if, and if we're into food, 
The roadside markets are open nowadays, and their sweet corn and tomatoes are the best. It's a great time to relax, appreciate Mother Nature and all her beauty, and when the weather is good, it's wonderful. We can still get a, a lot done, even if we have to work around the weather. Now is the time to plan what we want to do before the end of the summer, because Labor Day is only a little over a month away. And while we are doing our planning, uh, let's review our financial goals and plans, too. Our investors are becoming more confident and bullish as we move into the summer. Uh, this week ended with both the Standard and Poor 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average up for the last three weeks in a row. Uh, both consumers and investors are watching inflation come down significantly. Uh, two weeks ago, the Department of Labor published their consumer price index for June, and the 12-month uh, uh, headline CPI for June was 3% year over year. And I say that was quite an accomplishment because June a year ago, the headline CPI was 9.1%. And that was really a time for pessimism because uh, the consumer was battling 9.1% inflation and and his only weapon was his 3% uh, pay raise. So he knew he was losing the battle. But now we're down to 3%. and he's getting raises of 3 and 4%. So it's a, basically a wash in people's minds now. And that was the 3%, the headline number. And for the core uh, uh, CPI, and that's where we neglect the food and fuel because they're very volatile. They could sit. This uh, core is more stable. It was 4.8% year over year. Now, if we take a look at the Previous month, uh, the previous month, uh, the headline CPI was four four percent year over year for May. So we basically come down one uh, percent in one month. That's a big uh, uh, cause for celebration. Uh, this Friday, the Department of Commerce they published their personal consumption expenditure. Uh, price uh, index for June, and which showed that inflation was down big time. Uh, that that number is important because that, that's the one that the uh, the uh, personal consumption expenditure price index is the one that the Federal Reserve uses uh, in calculating inflation. You know they have both the CPI and the uh, and the uh, PCE. Uh, price index numbers available to them, but they fixate on the uh, personal consumption expenditure price uh, index. So that's the one they follow m most closely. And the headline PCE uh, price index was only 3% year over year in uh, June, and uh, the core PCE uh, price index was 4.1%. So uh, the previous month, uh, the uh, the headline uh, PCE number was 3.8. So what we're seeing is significant uh, drops in inflation. Uh, 
That's approximately a 1% drop in the headline inflation numbers from May to June. And consumers and investors, hey, they're becoming more confident in that uh, soft landing scenario that the Federal Reserve talked about earlier. And that is that uh, uh, can we, can the Federal Reserve uh, get inflation under control without a recession? And that looks more and more doable as this uh, inflation number comes down. The question now is uh, how many more rate increases will the Federal Reserve need to convince itself that inflation is really under control? And when will the Federal Reserve start to lower uh, the interest rates? And that will add fuel to both the economy as well as to the stock market. And while the economy uh, has slowed down due to the increased interest rates, it is still strong. And what we've seen uh, in the second quarter, faster economic growth this spring raised the prospects of a longer uh, uh, post-pandemic expansion. Uh, That's despite the Federal Reserve's pushing interest rates to a two-decade high. And uh, per the Department of Commerce, uh, the gross domestic product grew at a seasonable, seasonally and inflation-adjusted 2.4% annual rate in the second quarter. Uh, that's faster than economists expected, and it's above the 2% growth in the first quarter of the year. So the economy has expanded better than 2% pace over the last year in following a, a mild contraction in early 2022. Economic growth is, right now, economic growth is roughly in line with the rate recorded in the decade before the pandemic. So consumer spending, we all know that consumer spending fuels the economy and consumer spending grew at an annual rate of 1.6% in the first quarter in, in, oh, I'm sorry, in the second quarter, and that's down from 4.2% growth in the first quarter. And household outlays account for the bulk of economic activity and were responsible for nearly half of the total rise in GDP. The slowdown largely reflects the cooling purchases of big items after Americans uh, snapped up vehicles at the start of the year when these vehicles first started to flow back into the dealership lots. So in addition, business investment uh, jumped this spring. Uh, Business investment grew at an annual rate of uh, 7.7% in the second quarter, and that's up sharply from uh, six-tenths of 1% in the first quarter. And uh, basically, some long-term forces are helping boost in investment despite higher interest rates. A surge in federal spending on chip manufacturing plants and electric vehicle factories is offsetting some other cutbacks. And business spending on equipment bounced back in the second quarter, largely because of the investments in aircraft and, and vehicles and as supply chain uh, snarls unraveled. So it's all well and good. And basically, uh, this week, 
global equities were mostly up as investors everywhere were becoming more confident uh, that they're in the, uh, uh, the, the stage we're in is the beginning of the end in the global war against inflation. So uh, up until now, we've been on the losing side. Uh, inflation's getting, been getting the better of us, but now we seem to be getting the better of inflation. So in the U.S., the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and the Standard and Poor 500 and the NASDAQ Composite were up for the week, while in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up for the week, and in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. And in Asia, uh, the stock indices were also up. In Japan, uh, the Nikkei 225 was up for the week. While in China, both the Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong Hang Seng were both up for the week. On Friday, the three major uh, stock indices closed the week at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial, closed at 35,459.29, and it was up 0.66% for the week. And the Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,582.23, and it was up 1.01% for the week. And the NASDAQ Composite closed at 14,316.66, and it was up 2.02% for the week. So all in all, what we're seeing is uh, an economy that... uh, uh, the consumers are confident and the businesses are confident. The businesses are spending more on uh, uh, capital investments. Um, the consumer, he, he's spending a little bit less than he did in the first quarter, but he's still, he's still out there spending too. So uh, to me, it, it's a good picture. And it's also a picture of, uh, of confidence. He's a, uh, Inflation numbers that we've been living with for what for for uh, uh, since the start of uh, 2000 and, uh, 2021. Uh, you know, we they first noticed uh, inflation moving up in uh, March of 2021 when it hit three uh, percent, and then from there moved to five percent from and by Labor Day. 20, uh, 2021, and it was up to 7% by that Christmas of 2021. And then we got into the 2022, where it continued, and it finally peaked out in uh, June of 2022. It peaked out at 9.1%. So now we're on the downside, and we're moving down. It's at a pretty good clip, too. I hope it keeps up at this pace because uh, 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 inflation will be down to, in no time, down to somewhere between 2 and 3%. And at that time, uh, the Federal Reserve should start talking about uh, decreasing their interest rates. Right now, I think the Federal Reserve is uh, you know, saying, yeah, it's wonderful that inflation... Has come down, but uh, 
that's the headline number. They're they're uh, looking for the core number without food and fuel uh, to come down too. So right now we've got a headline number of three uh, percent uh, and a core number of four point one percent. That's according to the CPI numbers. So uh, to me. Uh, it's a good feeling that, be, that inflation is coming down. Uh, I think the Federal Reserve, and we'll talk about their meeting this week too, uh, their, their posture seems to be, well, that's nice, but uh, we want to see it get down to closer to 2%. And we also want to see a, a, a several months, they don't say how many months, but several months of uh, those low numbers before they start to lower the uh, interest rates. There have been, you know, I've seen uh, uh, articles where they talk about uh, uh, starting lowering them in, in uh, January, but, uh, you know, there's all sorts of predictions out there, um, some high, some low. So in any case, uh, uh, the mood has changed to optimistic. And that mood is both in the companies as well as the consumers. And it's got a a good basis for being optimistic. And uh, uh, when we look at the uh, big picture, what we're seeing is that uh, uh, things are moving along in our direction. And uh, then we have to say, okay, uh, how are we doing in our financial plan? Uh, how are we doing in the plan that is most important to us, the plan that we've used to identify our goals? What are our goals? Uh, when do we uh, need uh, money to uh, to accomplish these goals? Uh, how much money do we need at that time? You know, one of the biggest numbers is your retirement. Uh, when you talk about the when you're 65 or 70 years old and you're saying, okay, now I'm going to retire for the next, oh, I don't know, some people think they're going to die tomorrow. Some people some people are looking for that 110 uh, years old, but uh, uh, you're going to be there in retirement for a long time. And you, uh, when you collect your last paycheck from your job, then uh, you've got that nest egg in Social Security and maybe other investments and and uh, uh, some people still have uh, pensions, but they're uh, they've gone away and been replaced by the four hundred one k. So to me, uh, uh, there are other goals too. A lot of other goals between now and retirement. Uh, you have to. Uh, the biggest goal is uh, settling down and. Uh, getting married and starting a family and raising a family. There's a whole lot of, of uh, costs involved with that in terms of uh, buying a house, uh, standard of living, raising children, which are the most expensive things in the world, and uh, but the most precious too. And... Uh, to, to me, we get involved in all of those things and we we say, okay, uh, we have to take a look at the money that's coming in the door now. We have to save more than we think we should 
you know, you're you're basically talking about saving somewhere fifteen uh, percent of your, maybe even higher, fifteen to twenty percent of your take-home pay, and uh, squirreling it away and uh, investing it in uh, in making it grow, so that you can use compound interest to get those funds up to the point where you can use them to accomplish your goals. So how do you do that? Uh, it takes time to do it, and uh, you have to think about what your goals are, uh, when you need the money, how much money do you need, where is it going to come from. You have to stay on top of it, and but it gives you a roadmap for the future, a map, a, a map that shows you where you're going and where you want to go, and you can stay on top of it. So you can also use it to make decisions with regard to uh, alternate uh, goals. Do you want a boat? Uh, do you want a, a vacation home? Uh, do you? What do you want? And uh, do you want to start your own business? All those things require money, and uh, you have to take a look at the plan that you have laid out already and say, where's the money going to come from? And are you going to give up something and replace it uh, with this new role? So it's useful for a lot of reasons. Uh, this is Jim McAleese. Uh, you're listening to uh, Get Rich Low. Uh, uh, we'll be back in, in a minute. So stay tuned. Back to Get Rich Slow. This is Jim McAleese. We have a toll-free number you can call if you want to call in with questions or comments. Uh, toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. And number is 1-888-281-1110. Now, one of the big things that happened uh, this week uh, was the uh, Federal Reserve meeting and they call it the Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And it happens about uh, every eight weeks. And uh, uh, at these meetings, they uh, they sit down and they've got uh, uh, they've got the governors of the Federal Reserve and the presidents of the Federal Reserve banks, and and uh, there's about eighteen people that participate. And there's a certain voting group in that eighteen. There's eleven that. 11 voters, and uh, uh, they determine, hey, uh, are we going to increase the uh, interest rates? Uh, are we going to uh, start uh, selling more of these bonds that we accumulated during the, during the COVID uh, uh, situation? So uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the Federal Reserve, Federal Open Market Committee meeting met. Uh, to assess the economy and the labor market and the inflation. 
and uh, they released their results on Wednesday at uh, 2 p.m. And the, uh, according to their announcement, to quote, the committee seeks to achieve maximum employment and inflation at the rate of 2% over the longer run. In support of these goals, the committee decided to raise the target range for the federal funds rate to five and uh, five and a quarter to five and a half percent. The committee will continue to assess additional information and its implementation for monetary policy. So when they announced that, they basically said that we're going to increase the federal funds rate by one quarter of one percent. So the Federal Reserve Bank of New York is responsible uh, for keeping the federal funds rate in this channel. Um, and the channel goes from uh, five and, uh, and a quarter, uh, five and a half percent to five and a quarter percent. So uh, they do that by buying and selling bonds. And uh, the increase in the Fed funds rate was expected. I think the probability looking at the bond market was about 99%. And the next question is, is this the last increase? And uh, Chairman Powell, in his discussions at the press conference, suggested uh, a no. It's not going to be the last uh, increase. Uh, He was very cagey on uh, what would be, uh, you know, is the strategy. Uh, Chairman Powell said uh, today's rate quote today's rate hike was appropriate to address persistent elevated inflation at the core level. Uh, so you can say he's telling you that hey he's looking at the core level, and federal policymakers have seen the data moving in the right direction, but not close enough to the two percent inflation target and not long enough. He said the pieces, quote, the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. However, policy has not been restrictive enough for long enough to bring inflation down, unquote. He added the, uh, quote, the process still has a long way to go. So basically, he's emphasizing that the uh, uh, it's not down to 2%, so we want to go down to 2% on the core and core inflation numbers, and it hasn't been long enough. In other words, he's saying uh, that we're going to keep these rates high enough uh, so that we've got some sort of a track record of uh, inflation being low and staying low, and uh, not just uh, just a uh, one-month blip. So the emphasis... uh, he told you where his emphasis was. Uh, now, <clears throat> you got to take in consideration that the, these high interest rates don't come free in the sense that uh, uh, the high interest rates have basically been slowing down uh, the uh, growth of the United States, growth of the economy. And uh, we do have an election coming up, and I'm sure... Uh, certain people want to see that uh, that uh, the economy uh, come up to, to its full potential. 
whether that's going to happen or not is another another story. Chairman Powell remarked that inflation remains well above their long-term goal of 2% over the 12 months ending in May. Uh, Total uh, PCE, uh, personal consumption expenditure, uh, prices rose 3.8%, excluding the volatile food and energy categories. And if you include those, then the core PCE prices rose 4.6%. In June, the 12-month change in the consumer price index came in at 3%, and the change in the core CPI was 4.8%. Later on Friday, the Department of Commerce issued the the latest uh, PCE, personal consumption expenditure, price index, uh, uh, they issued it at uh, 3%, uh, and the core uh, PCE uh, uh, price index at 4.1%. So Powell contends that inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year. Nevertheless, the process of getting inflation back to 2% has a long way to go. Uh, despite elevated inflation and longer-term inflation expectations, and this is his comments. This is the comments from the um, uh, from the press announcement later on. You know, or he, he talks to the uh, uh, the uh, newspaper people. Nevertheless, the process of getting inflation back to two percent has a long way to go. Despite elevated inflation, longer-term inflation expectations appear to be well-anchored as reflected in the broad range of surveys of households, businesses, and forecasters, as well as measures from uh, financial markets. So uh, during the press conference, uh, several questions focused on whether the the Federal Open Market Committee meeting it is now going to be every other meeting rate hike. Uh, we're going to do this every other meeting. But basically, uh, uh, Powell was clear that a, a, a data-dependent uh, uh, Federal Open Market Committee would decide based upon the most current information available. And this was not going to be based on some sort of a pattern. Powell said that the current situation does not lend itself to providing much in the way of forward guidance. He said that in the eight weeks between now and the September meeting, that September meeting will be on uh, September 19th and 20th, uh, there's going to be many important pieces of data uh, on the calendar, including two more employment reports, uh, two more uh, CPI, Consumer Price Index reports, and a lot of activity data. And a uh, careful assessment about monetary policy will be made uh, meeting by meeting. That's uh, quote-unquote by uh, Powell. So basically, if you take a look at the schedule for the Federal Open Market Committee meetings, uh, uh, we got the one in uh, September 19th and 20th. They're always on a 
Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and they generally, uh, the Wednesday afternoon, about two o'clock or somewhere around there, they they, they stand up and make their uh, conclusions as to what they decided. So we're going to see meetings on September 19th and 20th, uh, then a meeting on October 31st and November 1st, and then one on December 12th and 13th. So we got three more meetings uh, before the end of the year. And uh, according to the bond market, investors think that there could be another one quarter percent rate increase in one of them. In any case, inflation has come to, inflation has come down sharply from the nine point one percent in June a year ago. It's basically now down to three percent. The headline numbers down to three percent, and. Uh, that's based upon both the uh, the two on both of the two measures of inflation. One's the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, from the Department of Labor, and the other one is the Personal Consumption Expenditure Price Index from the Department of Commerce. Both of those numbers are the headline numbers are now three percent inflation. So the Federal Reserve has already done the heavy lifting. You know, they went from one quarter of a percent in March of 2022 to five and a half percent today. So basically, that's a good feeling in the sense that now the test uh, is is uh, basically to not to go get carried away and do something dramatic and break something, but basically the, to it'll be more like keeping track of inflation and keeping it keeping uh, 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 it steady at the, at the interest rate steady at the high levels and see how inflation comes down and stays down for a while. So uh, this is Jim Backless. This is Jim Backless. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. You can give us a call over our toll-free number, 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call. Over our toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. 
Now let's go to the phone. Hello. Hi, Jim. Jim How are you? How can I help you? Oh, I'm doing great. Good. Uh, Do you think because of the heat of the uh, election season next year, they could either freeze the interest rates or help boost uh, Biden by lowering it a little bit if they're in favor of that administration? I think uh, uh, it's hard to tell what the connection between the the uh, the Federal Reserve and the politicians in the White House is. You know, the <laughs> Federal Reserve is supposed to be independent. Neutral, but, yeah, I know. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but they, they are appointed. They are appointed by the president. So, uh, you know, the, the uh, what you what you have there is uh, oh, you, you don't see this connection. Well, I do. I do see it. You do see it too. Right. Now, the thing you the thing you're putting your finger on is uh, is something that's going to be very important because. I'm sure uh, the Democrats want to see this economy uh, pick up and get stronger before uh, Election Day in 2024. Uh, uh, the Republicans, uh, maybe not so much because it's always, uh, if you're on the outside, it's a, a, a high inflation might not. The question I have that's attached to this one is that I have an equity line of credit. You know that the interest rate has gone up quite a a bit. I mean, it was nice when it was three and four. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if I should wait till the election to pay it off uh, or if I should just uh, 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 pay it off uh, now. Because I got some other big expenses that could pop up in the next year or two, and uh, I don't know if I have to borrow from it again. So that's what I'm looking at. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Right now, uh, this inflation is coming down at a surprisingly fast rate. Uh, You know, the the, uh, uh, discussion is going to be uh, when are we going to get close to 2%. Uh, the the emphasis is I think it's going to get close to two uh, percent in the uh, uh, late spring of next year. In other words, basically what I'm seeing is they're projecting it's going to get down to two percent sometime in the third quarter of next year. But I think it's going to be before then. So no no matter what happens in the election, I think the the situation is set up right now with the interest rates are high enough. Uh, the economy is slowing down everywhere. Uh, uh, the only thing that is really going great guns right now is travel and vacations and stuff like that. And, right. That's and, what I heard uh, from my accountant. They said manufacturing here and small businesses in Cleveland are, are hurting. They're, they're really slow. Right. right. Every, everything, even the even home construction, uh, the only thing keeping home construction alive right now is that uh, uh, everybody's sitting, everybody who had a mortgage uh, refinanced and they're sitting on 3% and they don't want to go back into the uh, selling and buying a home in a 7% uh, mortgage uh, market. So, uh, so what I'm seeing is uh, it's working and inflation is going to come down. And I think it's coming down faster than 
the faster than the Federal Reserve expected it. And the only thing the Federal Reserve wants to do is get it down close to 2% and keep it down there for a certain period of time. How well, it looks like they want to raise that uh, a percentage rate again. Uh, in the- well, they keep, they keep talking about, you, you know, you got to put them, put yourself in their position. Uh-huh. Uh, they, they can't look as if they're going to lower the rates uh, soon. Okay. That's a no-no because otherwise... Okay. Uh, you know, they become a lame duck. So the the word has to be, hey, we're going to keep raising it, and uh, and we're going to get down to this two percent. So you're going to get the two percent. Uh, uh, then there's going to be questions about deflation. You know, uh, that's that that happened after two thousand and eight, where uh, suddenly uh, in the panic of the Great Recession. Uh, the inflation got down to about 1%. At that point, people began to wonder about, well, what are we going to do now? We could, we could end up with deflation. So, uh, to me. So, you think it's best uh, to hold off until uh, springtime to see uh, what decision? Springtime, yeah. I would do that. I would I would hold on until maybe uh, uh, April, May. and. Okay. Uh, and uh, that'll give you a clear picture of what's going on. I think this thing will, will uh, work out even before the election, and uh, uh, there won't be any uh, a need for the politicians. Now, will they <laughs> well, bring the, will they bring the interest rates down a little bit, a, a quarter of a percent? Well, they're, they're talking about bringing the interest rate. If you look at the federal funds rate when they in June when they made uh, predictions on what the interest rates would be in the future. Uh, by basically, by the end of next year, you're going to see the interest rates down at uh, around 4%. And uh, maybe the year after, you're going to see the interest rates down to 2.5%. The 2.5% oh, okay. did number in uh, 2025 and yeah. uh, 2024. I know I'd like to get the monkey off my back, but my gut says, why don't you wait until (laughs) spring? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know. Let me put it this way. It's going in the right direction, and it's going faster than anticipated. Okay? All right. right. Thank you. You you have a good day. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Flow. Uh, The number here is 1-888. Two eight one eleven ten. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, uh, we look at in terms of uh, personal investments and and, and uh, uh, what is happening in the world is personal incomes and outlays. And that's uh, in June, consumers increased their spending on personal consumption by a half a percent for May, and even as the personal income increased only three-tenths of one percent for May. So uh, they got a three-tenths of a percent increase in their income, and they increased their spending by a half a percent. The month before, consumer spending increased two-tenths of a percent uh, from April, even as the personal income increased a half a percent. So it all evens out. And where did the money go? 
in June, the consumer spending increased uh, $100.4 billion from May, and that reflected an increase of uh, $51.2 billion for services and an increase of $49.1 billion for goods. And within services, the biggest contributor was the increase in uh, insurance and financial services. Then you had housing and utilities, and then you had recreational uh, services. So uh, while consumer spending for goods in June was an increase in uh, motor vehicles, buying more cars, along with gasoline and uh, basically other energy goods. And uh, what you see is recent data indicates that consumers have shifted their spending back into services. Well, we saw that, you know, uh, the, the, uh, during the COVID, you couldn't spend your money on services. So it basically boiled down to you bought goods through Amazon and Walmart. And uh, now that uh, the COVID is over, People that are spending their money on travel and vacation and uh, uh, dining out and, uh, you know, sporting events and entertaining and stuff like that. Uh, but that'll that'll settle down. Uh, you know, somebody sooner or later, you, people are enjoying things that they couldn't enjoy during the COVID. But sooner or later, somebody's going to yell, hey. You know, have you seen the bills? You know, so when people when people start looking at the bills, then they'll they'll get reality and start uh, going down on that too. So the reason that indicates that consumers have shifted uh, spending back into services, dining out, travel, after a big increase in goods purchases, that increase in demand is being met with higher prices as service providers are raising wages and facing uh, higher prices. And uh, uh, let's just take a, take a minute here to go to the phone. Hello, how are you? This is Jim McAlee. How can I help you? Hi. Hello. Um, hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you loud and clear. This is okay. Yes. I, I've heard on the night radio about um, BRICS money. There's, I don't know if it's Brazil, China, India, and it's supposed to take place August 22nd to put the U.S. dollar below this other money, and perhaps, oh yes, in, perhaps in four months the banks might go digital. Is there any truth to that? No. <laughs> yeah, there's truth to it. Well, okay. There's no danger to it. You know, there's a, they, 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 these guys meet all the time. You know, or. Um, uh, China, Brazil, you know, uh, Russia. Uh, I don't know who else is part of that gang, but yeah, India. Concerted, but they're, they're talking yeah, about Iraq yeah. and Iran too. I don't know. Yeah, there's a concerted effort to uh, uh, replace the dollar. The uh, is the uh, is the currency of commerce, and uh, that's been going on for. Uh, forever, you know, even during oh. the 2008 crisis, Russia was Russia was saying, "Oh, now's the time to strike against the dollar," and uh, it hasn't happened. Oh. It probably 
won't happen in our lifetime. Uh, oh, okay. Because, because basically, uh, if you're in international commerce, you're going to buy goods from someplace, and uh, so you specify how much goods you're going to buy and when it's supposed to be delivered, and you specify the price. And how do you specify the price? Generally speaking, at least 70% of all the commerce is priced in dollars. In other words, if you're buying something, be it uh, tons of wheat or rice or oil or anything, uh, just about anything, the price is in dollars. Why? Because the dollar is the most stable of the uh, of the uh, uh, the currencies. In other words, the basic currencies are the dollar, which is about seventy percent, the uh, euro, which is about fifteen uh, percent. Uh, then you got the uh, uh, the uh, yen, which is probably about five percent. So those are your those are your if you're going to buy and sell something, uh, it takes a while to complete this transaction for you to get what you bought in the end you for the pay for it. And what you want is a is a currency that's not going to move around a great deal between when you agreed to on the price and when you finally get your payment. And that's basically the dollar fits that, and it's fit that for a long period of time. So I wouldn't worry about it whether these guys these guys meet all the time. I think it gives them the chance to get out and enjoy life. <laughs> oh, okay, Jim. Well, we enjoy the show, and thank you so much. You're more than welcome. You have a good weekend now. Bye bye. You too. Bye. <laughs> now we look at at uh, uh, these these people that uh, that entertain themselves with, uh, you know, that'll be us as bystanders, but, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, people who are constantly talking about changing the, uh, getting rid of the dollar and stuff like that, uh, they can do that on a, some sort of a diplomatic uh, stage where they're, uh, I know recently Brazil made a deal with China uh, uh, and the deal uh, was basically publicized all over China and all over Brazil that this thing was going to be in uh, Yuan, Chinese Yuan. And uh, and uh, if you look at Chinese Yuan, the only reason that, you know, that the Yuan has gone from six Yuans per dollar to uh, seven Yuans per dollar over the last uh, two years. I don't know. So uh, one thing you're you're seeing right now is that the dollar is strong. It's probably one of the strongest currencies in the world. And one of the reasons is that the interest rates are high. If you take a look at uh, uh, the uh, interest rates for the uh, the dollar, uh, the uh, the uh, uh, I remember we went to. I remember. I remember we went to France uh, several years ago, and uh, the uh, the uh, currency was I think it was uh, 
Uh, I think it was one dollar and twenty cents or one dollar and thirty cents per euro. And uh, now, in in this last uh, uh, little while ago, in this COVID situation, it got down to about one dollar and five cents per euro. So uh, that means that the dollar has gotten stronger and and the euro has gotten weaker. So uh, to me, uh, you know, we're we're paying good interest on the in on the uh, money we borrow, and people love to come here and uh, uh, get get that interest. So that's what's keeping one of the things that's keeping the value of the dollar up there. So uh, one of the things we see here in terms of uh, personal incomes and outlays is that uh, uh, if we take a look in in the last month versus this month in terms of the comparing the CPI and the uh, uh, personal consumption expenditure, uh, the headline numbers year over year were 3% for both of those. In the case of the CPI, the core values, the annual number is 4.8, and the core personal consumption expenditure was 4.1. So we're getting down there to the point where it's important. So this is Jim McAleese. Yeah. This is the, <laughs> I was going to take a break, but let's let's continue. We're close to the end here. Now, if I look at another issue, that uh, just to give us some idea of the confidence, the confidence of the consumer is increasing, and according to the survey of consumers that's put out by the University of Michigan, and we we look at that to give us an idea of. Uh, consumers' confidence, whether it's increasing or decreasing, in order to give us some idea of uh, the intentions of the consumer to make big purchases, i.e. cars, refrigerators, things of this nature, and not especially homes, but that, that's another story. Uh, what we see is in July versus June, uh, the index of consumer sentiment uh, increase from 64.4 in June to 71.6. And according to the comments, uh, consumer sentiment rose for the second straight month, soaring 11% above June and reaching its most favorable reading since October of 2021. All components of the index improved considerably, led by an 18% surge in long term business conditions and 14% increase in short-term business conditions. Overall, the sharp rise in sediment was largely attributed to the continued slowdown in inflation along with stability in the labor market. So uh, that gives you an idea of everyone is becoming more optimistic and positive about the future. This is Jim McAleese. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Rich Lowe. We are very, very busy people with a lot of commitments, commitments to our families, 
to our job, the communities, and to ourselves. How can we allocate our time to get the important things done? And that's something we're thinking about. Imagine that you had a bank account that deposited $86,400 each morning. The account carries no balance from day to day, allows you to keep no cash balance, and every evening cancels whatever part of the amount you had failed to use during the day. What would you do? Well, the answer is you draw out every dollar every day. Uh, we all have such a bank, and its name is Time. Every morning, it credits us with 86,400 seconds. Every night, it writes off as lost whatever time you fail to use wisely. It carries no balance from day to day. It allows no overdraft, so you can't borrow against yourself or use more time than you have. Every day the account starts fresh, and every night it destroys any unused time. If you fail to use the day's deposit, it's your loss. You can't appeal to get it back. There's never any borrowing time. You can't take a loan out on your time or uh, use somebody else's. The time you have is the time you have. That's it. Time management is yours to decide how you spend the time just as with money. You decide how much you want to spend. It's never the case of us having enough time to do things, but the case of whether we want to do them and where they fall in our priorities. We only have a finite amount of time, so the message is use your time wisely and enjoy your time. Until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Road, may God protect you and keep you safe. You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. Located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc., the materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index of 30 actively traded blue chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.